I said this last week. I'll say it every week of my life. I'm a needy guy. Any needy people out there? I need God's grace. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, I need God's grace. Can I say that one more time? I need God's grace. Can anybody else say that today? I need God's grace. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Centers or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Now with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. I want to continue this morning our series on God's amazing grace. And I want to make a statement. It's the title of the message today that faith to believe is what enables grace to see. See, without faith, the Bible says in Hebrews 11, it is impossible to please God. For those that come to God, it says in the sixth verse, must first believe that he is. For us to be a part of the grace that God has, we need our faith. Why? Because faith enables us to believe what grace enables us to see. For the next few minutes, I've got a lot of scripture because I want to try to explain the unexplainable about this wonderful gift called grace. Grace used to synonymously, in many of the old translations, be interchanged with another word, and the other word is gospel. Many places in the word of God calls it the the work of grace, the faith of our grace, the word of grace. But it comes down to a place that there was an extraordinary good news that was given to you and I that any one of us at any time, at any place in our life could reach out and accept by faith. And that's the grace to not only live for God, but to live life. And the longer I live for God, the longer I live this life in Christ, the more I know I need desperately this grace. Everything we have, everything we see, is due to the faith we stand in. Because it's through faith that we believe 
for the grace that we receive. Over and over, the scripture tells us, have faith. Hebrews chapter 4, indeed, the gospel was preached to them as well as to us, or to us as well as to them. But listen what it says here. But the word which they heard did not profit them because it was not mixed with faith of those who heard it. The grace was given, but the faith did not grab a hold of it to be able to live it. As I shared a moment ago in Hebrews eleven six, without faith, we can't even please God. We can no, no way on this earth obtain the grace to find help in our time of need. This is what it talks about over in the book of Hebrews chapter 4. That we do not have a high priest who, who cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. But was likewise in all areas tempted as we are, tested as we are, tried as we are, yet without sin. So because we have Jesus Christ, the high priest who has passed into the heavens, he said, let us hold fast our profession of faith. And then he said these words, that because of that grace, we can come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. I said this last week, I'll say it every week of my life, I'm a needy guy. Any needy people out there? I need God's grace. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, I need God's grace. Can I say that one more time? I need God's grace. Can anybody else say that today? I need God's grace. Why? Because too many try to serve the Lord in their natural abilities. You know, before I became a Christian, I tried to be a good guy. That lasted about that long. Maybe you did too. And even after becoming a Christian, I still tried to be a good guy. But it wasn't until the grace of God became real in my life that I understood it's not about my goodness because the Bible says very plainly, nothing good dwells in me save the Lord Jesus Christ. It is his grace working inside. I tell people all the time, it's an inside job, folks. He doesn't change the outside. He changes the inside, which starts working his way out. Acts 14, therefore they stayed for a long time, speaking boldly in the Lord, speaking to the disciples. And listen what it says. Who were bearing witness... To the word of his grace. The word of his grace. The word is the same word that we find in John 1 1 when it says the word was God, with God, and 14 says, came to make his abode among us. And what happened when the word of grace showed up? Signs and wonders were done by their hands. Look at Acts 20. Brethren, I command you to God, or I commend you to God, and to, listen to this, the word of his grace, which is able to do what? Build you up. 
and to give you the inheritance that was promised. Saving faith has to be seasoned with believing faith. I've shared for years, and it's not a statement I made. I heard it someplace, but the statement was made very simply. Going to church church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to McDonald's makes you a Big Mac. I know I've heard it differently, you know. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going into a garage makes you a Cadillac. Does that sound better? Either way. But the reality is a lot of people... They, they want to be saved. They, they want to be able to deal with the stuff. But they have to believe that through God, all these things can and will be accomplished. Now, don't, don't get me wrong. As I said, most people have saving faith. I just find too few people have believing faith. You say, well, preacher, make it simpler than that. The simplicity is this. I believe that it can happen for somebody else. I have a hard time believing it can happen for me. Has anybody been that way? I remember I went to a meeting many, many years ago. I was up in Canada. And I had been pastoring for a few years. And a man came up and the word of the Lord came to him. And he came to me and spoke and said, you know, thus saith the Lord. And those kind of things articulating what the word of the Lord was saying. And he said, your greatest problem as a pastor is you give well, but you receive poorly. You give well, but you receive poorly. God had to develop his grace in my life. Romans 10, how can people have faith if nobody will tell them? How can people have faith if nobody will tell them? Romans 3 says, even though you're saved by grace, you cannot hook up to grace without faith. Look at me for just a second. Ladies and gentlemen, if the grace of God is going to work in our lives and permeate through our lives, we have to start believing this book is for you personally, for me personally. It's not just for the sweet by and by when I die. It's for the ins and ups and outs and downs on the ground while I'm still walking around. It's for today. And that's what God wants us to understand. This is the reason that he gave us this thing called amazing grace. Why? Because faith believes God will. Grace enables us to be concerned how he will and according to his will. And this happens as we grow in our relationship with Christ. This is where our relationship with Christ begins to grow in us. We understand, we see, we begin to live the life that he has given us to live. Let me give you the picture, Ephesians 2. It's, it's not in your note, but you can, you can turn there in the Bible. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9 and 10. It says, for by grace we're saved through faith. And that not of ourselves is a gift of God. 
Not because of any works you can do or I could do. Because if that was the case, we could boast. But then I love what the 10th verse goes on to say. It says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ to do good works, to live the life he created you to live. Now let me try to make that even simpler. A lot of people say, Pastor, I'm saved and I'm living for God. How do I know I'm saved and living for God? Look at your life. Look at your life. Before I got saved, there were things that I would do that now that I'm saved, I won't do them anymore. Well, you just, you just stopped yourself from doing it. No, grace stopped me from doing it. Why? Because my faith in Jesus Christ attached to his grace, which was the power operating in me to do the things that I need to do. So guess what? This is why, if, uh, why, uh, why uh, 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 Psalm 37 tells us that the footsteps of a good man are ordered of God. We want God to order our steps. The problem is we ain't stepping. Before God can direct your steps, you got to start stepping. My wife and I, many years ago, before we got married, we went out and took some dance lessons. You know, <laughs> I got rhythm to play guitar. I got rhythm to, I tried to play bass today. Now I got a blister on my fingers from playing. <laughs> I don't play bass. And so if you heard any bad notes out there, it wasn't Jacob and the rest of the team. It was me. I don't play bass very often, but it was fun. But we went and took dance lessons. And you know what I found out? I got two left feet. Amen. <laughs> for those of you that are here for the first time, that was my wife lovingly spouting off. <laughs> but I tell you, I stepped on her toes. We finished the dance lessons after I bought her a pair of steel-toed shoes. But... What I did in those dance lessons is I learned how to step the right way. But I had to step the wrong way before I could step the right way. So what happened is by grace, he said, I'm going to enable you, but you've got to have the faith to believe me. Amen. Am I making any sense today? I'm going to enable you, I'm going to empower you, I'm going to show you, but you got to believe that I'm the one doing it and not you. And so I started stepping, and by the time we were done with, with 38 months of dance lessons, I actually could do it. <laughs> okay, well, maybe it wasn't quite that many, but it sure seemed like it. By grace, you're saved. Through faith. Is a gift of God, not of works, for we were created in him to do the work he had planned before. Am I making any sense? You see, it takes believing faith that the life I'm living in Christ is the plan that God had for my life. You say, Pastor, what if it's rough? Not a problem, folks. I have always learned it's darkest before it's light. 
I learned something a long time ago. God said, I'll take you to a door, but I'll never take you through a door. See, God opens doors that no man can open. God closes doors that no man can close. I have to be okay when a door closes. God must be you. Now, I'm talking about if you're living for God, if you're dedicated your life to God, if that door closes in your face, folks, if you can't find a door, look for a window. But my grace tells me if I can't find a window, there's a wall coming down someplace. By grace. First Thessalonians. Mend and make good whatever may be imperfect and lacking in your faith. We have to get to the place where we realize, God, you've given me the grace to do everything, but I, by faith, have to step into all things. Can you say amen? Ephesians 1. We become illuminated by the light of the glorious gospel that we can know and understand what is the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing power that's in us who believe. Look at somebody and say, Captain America got nothing on me. Or whoever those Avenger guys are. How many saw the movie? How many saw every one of the movies? I read the comics. I, I didn't see the movies, but... but folks, l- listen, look at, look at your notes. You got Ephesians 1 in your notes? Okay, look at that. Okay, I want you to underline some things. Why? Look at me real quick. I want you to underline these. Why? Because... He's talking about what's working in your life. If you are a child of God, he's talking about what's working in your life. Look what it says here. The immeasurable, underline that word, immeasurable. Unlimited, underline that word, unlimited. Surpassing greatness, underline that word. Now look at me for just a second. He's correlating all of that to the natural realities of life. He said, compared to the natural realities of life, what I want to do in you is immeasurable. It's unlimited, and it's surpassing. Why? It's my power that works in you because you believe. Then I love Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who's able to do exceeding abundantly... How many know exceedingly abundantly is an awful lot? Unto him who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above anything. I could ask or think. Now, are you all like me? I can ask and think a lot. Above all things, anything that I could ask or think. Look what it says. According to... To the power that works in us. It's not some outside, intangible, ethereal, mystical thing. He's talking about my power that works in you, in me. It's his power at work in us. And he says, all you got to do is step out in faith and believe that my grace will enable you to see. Somebody in the house get excited today, would you? Because my Bible says there is nothing I can't do.
Sorry, I had pizza yesterday. And... <laughs> you, you did that, didn't you? Yeah, yeah Pastor Philemon's up here pushing a button. That's what he's doing. Jack, will you take care of this afterwards, please? Thank you. <laughs> to see what we've believed will cause us to understand grace. Folks, I, I hope I can do just a little bit of a job with this understanding. To see what we believed will cause you and I to begin to understand it's His grace that works all these things. There are so many that have never seen, and I want you to hear this, simply because we've given up in the midst of the battle. God has been trying to build. God has been trying to lift. God has been trying to encourage, but we gave up. One of my favorite passages in Scripture is Galatians 6, where it says, don't be weary in doing what's right. For in God's time, you will reap if you don't quit. Christians have this false concept that somehow there will be no struggle in their life if they're really living for God. And if it isn't working that way, then somehow the Christian life isn't working. But look what it says in the 34th Psalm. The righteous person faces many troubles. Is that what it says in your Bible? I know that's what I wrote in your notes, but is that what it says in your Bible? The Christian, the righteous person will face many troubles. He said, well, pastor, that's kind of a bummer. Only in, if you stop there. But if you go on with the rest of the verse, it says, but the Lord will come to rescue every time. Yeah. Hebrews 5, 7, during his life on the earth, the Bible says Jesus offered up prayers and petitions, listen to this, with loud cries and tears. Now, most of us would agree that tears are a good thing. But it's whether they're caused by joy or by pain. In the 51st Psalm, we find David's contrition after the fall of Bathsheba and after the, the failing God and by, the, the Bible says these words that a broken and contrite spirit God does not reject. Now physiologists, they, they, they love this, this passage in Hebrews 5. Because they, they sit down and they, they look at human tears. And I wrote down some of the explanations that I found. And I thought you would be enjoying of this because I left it in your notes. They say that human tears are a complex, sacrimonious Phenomenon characterized by the shedding of protein-laden fluids from the lacrimal apparatus that both causes and lubricates the eyes. How many are thoroughly blessed? You would be if you were writing a doctrine or a, the a thesis on tears. For the medical journal, of course. But the reality, folks, is tears don't mean all that stuff to us. They mean joy, they mean pain. 
very simply. What I know about tears are generally sequestered to the understanding of a counseling session where people sit there and they have heartbreak dealing with the uncontrollable realities of reality. And I say that very purposely because life's realities many times are very uncontrollable. Because you can't control what somebody else does. You can only control what you do. And at times, has anybody here ever lost control? Anybody here besides me ever said anything stupid? Done anything stupid? I got two or three people raising their hand. How about just look stupid? Anybody like that? Okay. I've done lots of stuff. And the one thing that I understand is the more I grow, the more my tears flow. Because the more I grow in Christ, I think I've got a handle on this stuff, but still this flesh wants to rise up. And the scripture routinely exchanges the word pray and cry over and over. Why? It's because this life can be saddled with emotionally charged modifiers like distress joy, doubt, confidence, agony, triumph, sorrow. This is why we need God's grace, his power working in our life so many times. I remember reading about Hannah in 1 Samuel, how she couldn't have a child. And as a matter of fact, the, the prophet thought that she was drunk many times because she'd be, cr she'd be crying and speaking, but no words would come out. The agony of her heart was so overwhelming, she could not even utter the emotions. But the tears might have been silent on the earth, but in heaven they were very loud. And God gave her, through his grace, the answer to her prayer. What do tears have to do with grace? I outlined it in your notes. You have to ask David. Hannah, Job, Hezekiah, Jeremiah, Timothy. David, we read in Psalm 51 and Psalm 56, he agonized so much, had cried so many tears, he asked God to keep them contained in a bottle. Did you know the Bible says that God holds every tear that you ever cried? And one day he's going to wipe them all away. The Bible says God declared Job blameless, upright, yet that didn't stop his tears. He lost everything. Hezekiah's tears moved the heart of God to add 15 years to the king's life. Jeremiah, he wept so much that he was called the weeping prophet. And he said, my soul sobs, my eyes bitterly weep. Timothy, Paul's protege, could you imagine the day that he watched his master walk away? For the very last time, Paul the Apostle, 39 lashes, beatings, stoning, shipwrecks. But you know what? Those are not the things that brought him to tears. You know what brought Paul to tears? He said those are all just momentary light afflictions. He said the things that brought me to tears was the indifference of God's people. The Bible tells us that Paul's tears more than anything else came as false teachers led unsuspecting sheep astray. 
as immature churches aligned their ways with the world instead of with God's word because lost souls didn't know the love of God and the grace of his forgiveness. You see, Paul understood grace. As God outlined in 2 Corinthians, he said, my grace is sufficient. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to declare, even though God's grace is sufficient, it doesn't make life easy. But if you will stand, all of heaven will stand and believe with you. I want to look at Jesus' life for just a moment as we begin to wrap today up. Jesus stood at the tomb of Lazarus. And the Bible says the shortest verse in the entire Bible, Jesus wept. But I want to talk about that, if just for a moment. It wasn't the beatings, the mockery, the thorns, or the nails that caused Jesus to weep. You know what it was? He was standing at Lazarus' tomb. He was standing on the hillside overlooking Jerusalem. When he said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, I would long to gather you as a hen gathers his chicks, but you would not. Do you know why Jesus wept? Because he knew death was not part of God's original plan. He knew that God had created humanity not to grow old, to suffer with disease and die. He knew that Adam and Eve, if they would have just listened and not yielded to the lie of the enemy, that sin would not have entered humanity. But it did. And he wept because he understood that death followed sin. Why did Jesus weep? Because his heart was broken. One of the things that I understand as a pastor, I walk through and I deal with many broken hearts. What do I do? What do I say? Sometimes all I can do is just cry with somebody. All I can do is just laugh with somebody. All I can do is just pray with somebody. Folks, I don't have the words. Oh, I've got God's word, and God's grace is sufficient. But at that time, when that person just needs, what do I do other than just hold and love and hug the same thing that my Savior does to me every single day? God's grace is what enables. I want to get very personal, if I can, for the next few minutes. A few weeks ago, I actually had intended on going a different way in this series. And I was talking to Pastor Philemon, talking to Pastor Ray, my wife, different people, and talking about different things. And then all of a sudden, God began to talk to me about His grace. And I've always understood grace a little bit different than the majority of churches teach. Not because it's contrary to God's word, or not because what I teach is contrary to God's word. It's just grace is so much more than unmerited favor. It is so much more than an than a undeserved forgiveness. It is God's power that enables me to face and deal with life. And as a pastor, we are no stranger to pain. Pain to a pastor is as familiar as the church bulletin and even more familiar than the church potluck. I'm not talking about the pain 
of what you and others go through, because there's plenty of that inside. But I'm talking about very specifically referencing what a pastor's pain would consist of. So if I could, for the next few minutes, kind of take you into me every month of every year. <laughs> there's times that I, I go to prayer, and my heart just breaks for what I know people are going through. And I can't do anything about it. I can't do anything. I can't change, I can't change people. I can't change situations. I can't go back and undo something for them or for me or anybody else. The critique, the criticism. I don't know a single pastor who has not hurt or suffered because of someone's unrepentant sin, family feuds, or simply misunderstandings. You know how human a preacher is? Just about as human as the one sitting in your chair. I can't tell you how many unsigned letters and notes that have gotten over the years and I've told myself, I'm not going to read them. But I do. All these 30 plus years later, some are still etched in my memory. I claim that I have the skin of a rhinoceros. But that's a crock, folks. There are too many times that my skin is thinner as you could ever imagine. I work hard and I have very high expectations. A thick skin. I told you I was going to get personal. But the why I do what I do is what enables me to have a tender heart, even when the thick skin doesn't work. Does a pastor get discouraged? Oh. <laughs> Some might. Consider, and I've had many pastor friends quit the ministry over the years. They just said, that's, that's, yeah. I have to understand that either God's grace is sufficient or what are any of us doing? The cross and the grave were the journey that grace enabled Jesus to take. A prison cell and martyrdom or the journey that grace enabled Paul to face. A loss of everything and an ash heap was the journey grace enabled Job to take. A lion's den was Daniel's journey. Mount Moriah was Abraham's journey. A pit was Joseph's journey. We can continue literally without end. 
but every single journey, the grace of God was sufficient to take them through. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to tell you it is impossible to be a pastor without experiencing pain, and it's impossible to be a pastor without the grace of God operating in full power in my life. No matter what the enemy has tried in anything and everything, God's grace is sufficient. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. Let me tell you something about your life. The tomb couldn't bury Jesus. And your current situation cannot bury you either. Can I say that again? The tomb could not bury Jesus. And your current situation cannot bury you now. Why? Because when Jesus died, so did our sins. When he arose, so did our hope. Your grave was exchanged from being a final residence to temporary housing. Amen. Ephesians 2, once again, by grace, we're saved through faith. For we are his workmanship, created for good works that God beforehand prepared that we should walk in them. Faith enables us to believe what grace enables us to see. In Mark chapter 9, Jesus said, as far as possibilities go, everything is possible you'll just believe. Everything is possible. My life, your life, people say, pastor, what's the difference between a Christian and a pastor? One word, responsibility. I have more responsibility. Why? Because I preach the truth. And if it's not the truth, God said, I'm going to hold you and all of their lives at your hands. He said, you got to understand, you cause one of these little ones to stumble, it's better that you were not even born. See, responsibility. And the problem with responsibility is the devil comes up and he puts all kinds of packages with it to beat you down, to beat you down, to make you feel bad, I mean, not, you know, Pastor Philemon probably it doesn't do it as much as I do, but I have a tendency to open mouth and insert foot. I'm a connoisseur of leather, folks. I've had my foot in my mouth so many times. I can tell you Italian leather from Mexican leather, from, from this leather. And, I mean, for, I, I can taste it. I've been there. But you know what God's grace does? He said, I'll work you through that. Don't worry about that. I'll take care of them and that. Why? Because His grace is what enables me to do what I do. 
It's the same grace that enables you to do what you do, to overlook things, to overcome things. Do you know how you overcome? You come over. You say, what's that mean? You overcome life because you come over to grace. It's not a hard thing. It really isn't. Well, God, I, how do I do this? You believe you can. Because I've given you the power. I've given you the authority. Where's your life today? Where is it? Are you facing hard times? Are you dealing with stuff? Has somebody said something? Somebody did something. You've been blindsided by circumstance, by situation. I, I don't know. But let me ask you a very challenging question. If Jesus was to come back right now, would all of those problems and circumstances and situation keep you from going to heaven? You say, no, no. And you're correct. Unless you're holding unforgiveness, bitterness, resentment, retaliation, hatred. See, all these things are things that God said, I've dealt with. I dealt with it all at Calvary. You can deal with it where you're at. So I ask you, is your heart right with God? Is there anything at all that should be able to separate us from the love of God? The answer to that question is no. But stuff happens in life, doesn't it? Yet God said, my grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient. Many, many years ago, a young man made a decision that he was going to do a work for God. And this young man thought one of the best ways to start his life was by going to seminary, giving himself to the Word of God, giving himself to study, preparation. Where during the course of his study and his preparation, he had the opportunity to take a field trip, if you will. They were able to travel to England to visit the estate of one that we know by the name of John Wesley. The progenitor, if you will, of the Methodist movement, the Wesleyan movement. Today is a far cry from the movement that John Wesley began. But yet it was a powerful movement that literally was taking over the earth. Well, this young man, as they toured the estates, they went through the home, they went through the horse stables, the different barns, the different places. And they came into his bedroom area. They were walking through the house and all of a sudden, this young man noticed a door off to the side. And he said, 
What is that? Because he noticed it was a very well-worn pathway to it. And the person that was given the guide said, come and see. They opened the door and they literally walked into John Wesley's prayer closet. Very small place, but on the floor they saw four neatly worn holes all the way through the floor. Well, the tour went on, but something struck this man's heart about the grace of God that John Wesley knew about. The tour ended. They all went back to their respective rides back to the hotel. But as the person leading the entourage counted the people, they found one was missing. So they went and looked the grounds. They looked the stables. They looked the different areas and all of a sudden they came to the house (laughs) and they heard a cry a cry of pain and sorrow suffering and agony and they couldn't trace it down so they started listening and listening and listening until they came to an old room behind a little door where a man realized the grace of God operating in a man's life literally changed the world. They opened the door and they found him with one knee in a worn hole, his toes in the other, his other knee, and he was with every depth of his being crying out, God, do it again. God, do it again. God, do it again. God did. That man's name was Billy Graham. And God has changed the world through somebody that will simply believe that God's grace is there to do whatever your heart before God is to do. Will you just believe? You see, faith will enable you to see what grace will give you to believe. Can you say amen? Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. I'm Joe Harding. For Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Centers, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.